BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. What is up, folks? Welcome to another episode of this very podcast in which we are covering independent music, having discussions with people who care about it a lot, who create it, you know, just are in the weeds with it. And I am very excited to have this conversation with Gina Gleason from Baroness. I had uh, John Dyer Baisley. I don't know, episode 300? I think so, because I remember that was a a very round number and someone who I was very excited to have a conversation with. But uh, Gina is the guitarist. She's been playing for the band for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, somewhere around there. And uh, I love Baroness. I think they are such an incredibly compelling band. And I think what they do is really important because, I mean, they've been able to you know, push through a horrific, horrific Bucks accident from many, many years ago and are still at the top of their game. You know, they they obviously took years off because they needed to do that and heal. Gina joined the band post-accident. But um, yeah, it's just resilience, man. It's so cool. And it, it makes me think about what we're all kind of witnessing right now in regards to Year of the Knife and 
absolutely amazing news, the fact that Maddie, the vocalist, is out of the hospital. She's, you know, back at home. And uh, it's really inspiring to see that because, I mean, you know, when you get dealt a raw hand in life, I mean, we all do in some capacity. Some are more extensive than others. But uh, yeah, just human resilience makes me makes me cry just thinking about it. So anyways, I digress. But Gina, I am so excited to have this conversation with. Um, yeah, just because I love Baroness. And they have a new record out that's called Stone, just dropped like two weeks or so ago. It's, I mean, talk about a band that's just consistent and consistently pushing the envelope too. Each Baroness record is like bringing more chips to the table, so to speak, where they're like, you know what? We're going to be a little bit more prog this record, or how about we're going to be a little bit more metal? And I just, uh, man, I love them so much. So you can email the show as always at a hundred words podcast at gmail.com. You can also drop a rating and review on the Apple podcast page. It helps out tremendously. And you can also leave a rating on Spotify. All of those places and things help. It will take you 15 seconds and it is absolutely free. I will never ask you and bother you for money, whether it's like a Patreon scenario or something like that. Like, nah, man, like that's that's not what this show fortunately is about. I'm able to uh, you know make money off ad revenue and just participate in all of these cool things like live events and what have you. And speaking of live events, I'm actually going to be bringing you some bonus episodes and some regular episodes as well, all centered around the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. I recently went out there, spent some great time with friends, and you know just got to see the New England area again. But I had a lot of interesting conversations. So I'll start to drop those uh, probably a little bit uh, later on next week or yeah, you'll, you'll see, just follow and subscribe to this particular podcast feed and you will not miss a beat. So yeah, that's what we got. Let's talk to Gina and Baroness and listen to the new Baroness record. It's called Stone. Like I said, so flipping good. So here's Gina. I've been a stand for Baroness for many, many years, and I've watched them grow from their, you know, hyper-realist EP days up until now, so, you know, many, many years. And so... Watching, obviously, all of the, you know, changes that the band has gone through, you know, post-accident and obviously post-lineup shift and everything. And, like, you know, you stepping in. And I was like, oh, like, what's what's the story with, uh, you know, Gina? And, like, where, where did she come from? And your background is just, like, just wild. Like, it is just very bizarre. because, Ooh. And I say that because, you know, normally people that exist in the kind of, you know, metal, hardcore, punk world, like, you can kind of draw a straight line there. Whereas, sure. like... You obviously, your trajectory is not conventional, and <laughs> it, it, I know this may sound like a real basic question, but I think it stands to reason that you may like this. The idea that, like, you play in a band now, like, does that feel cool that <laughs> you're now like in an actual quote unquote band as opposed to like all of these other really unique opportunities that most people, you know, don't get to be a part of? Of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the time that I've been in Baroness, which has been some years now, um, there's nothing. I mean, there's a lot of like niches that people can find themselves in within like the music industry or whatever the music world. But um, 
something about the bonds you build and the relationships you build uh, in a band that's unlike anything else. And, you know, I mean, that's goes without saying, I suppose, but um, yes, I'm very grateful to be <laughs> in this band. <laughs> right. And like I said, I, I feel stupid almost asking that, but it's just no, that, no. that idea of being, you know, th- there's usually two trajectories that people kind of embark on when they look at either playing music, playing in bands, performing, whatever that umbrella term is. It's like either you obviously play in a band or you become, you know, a session musician and like you kind of threaded the needle with both. Like (laughs) you're just like, I'm performing and I'm doing something unique where it's like, you know, playing in certain days and doing all these uh, opportunities like again that people don't typically get to do so you kind of took the uh, the third path as it were cool I, yeah i appreciate you uh saying that yeah i mean and yeah i just i just love being a bit i, I kind of blanked there i don't know where i was going with that one <laughs> no, it's, fine. It, it's fine i'll pull i will pull on that thread a little bit uh later in regards to your trajectory but um the I know, obviously, existing in the Philadelphia area. Were you actually born and raised in Philly, or where did you come up? I was, yeah. I was born and raised in Philadelphia in a neighborhood called Roxborough. Uh, Roxborough Maniunk is the neighborhood, and that is where I currently live still. So <laughs> kind of a funny, yeah, yeah, kind of funny thing. Well, especially, too, where because existing in the different universes that you have as far as you know moving for you know Cirque du Soleil and then obviously touring with the band like there is that idea that many people boomerang back around to where they came from or even just be like no I will always consider myself you know a Philly head like no matter what yeah yeah I sounds like that's you (laughs) yeah absolutely um and your family life growing up, like, I know you have a big brother, um, like mom and dad in the house. What did that kind of look like as you were growing up? Um, my parents split like fairly young when I was fairly young. Um, which, you know, when you're, I don't know, I think when you're that young, you're pretty like flexible. You, you don't like maybe start thinking about the impact that has on you until like you're an adult and you're like, Oh, <laughs> Uh, maybe this had some effect in, in some way, but you know, when you're young, you just kind of go with the flow and you're like, this is what my parents are telling me this is happening. So this is what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least that was maybe my experience, but um, yeah, parents split. Um, they didn't. How old, were, how, old were, how old were you when you said? I, I think six. Okay. So it's like early enough to where you had maybe a slight understanding, but not to the extent where you were, you know, 13 and you yeah, yourself yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It was more like, Oh, dad's gone. I'm sad. Cause I like that guy. <laughs> and uh, he's, you know, not in the house anymore, but um, my mom worked super hard. She worked her ass off. She's uh, a nurse and she primarily raised us like we did um you know 90 percent of our time with mom and more like visits with dad which our, our visits with uh our dad and our time with our dad were super valuable i feel like our relationship uh for me my relationship with my dad like kind of grew into more of a, a thing like the older i got um when we were young it was kind of like visits with dad but 
he was always like really good about, you know, trying to expose my brother and I to really cool things around the Philadelphia area. Like he would take us to like the Philadelphia Art Museum pretty frequently. I think just maybe single dad being like, all right, we need an activity. Let's go to the museum. Like, <laughs> um, so I'm grateful for like that time and that exposure to like, just like art and that he provided from like a really young age, you know? But um, yeah, primarily with mom, she's a nurse. She decided to go back to school when we were very young. So she was like, essentially like a single mom putting herself through school and working full time. So that was kind of the vibe with mom was like, mom's a badass and she's working really hard. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that definitely, when people are confronted with that idea of like, okay, well, I'm going to have to you know, provide for this household in a way that I maybe wasn't anticipating, then it definitely gets into the, you know, planning mode where like, okay, I got to do this. I got to, you know, (laughs) make these accommodations. And obviously it sounds like she was doing that. Totally. Like, yeah, you don't think about it when you're young. You're just like, okay, mom's like doing this. That's cool. Um, But yeah, I mean, the older I get to, I think about those years and it's like, she was just totally planning ahead. Like you said, like, all right, I need to maybe, earn more or you know move in a different direction in my career so but to do that I have to do this thing first and that's going to take many years because I mean she did it like one class at a time like I think many people in her situation or just like any like adult when you're like already working and providing for a household and you're like figuring out um, higher education it's like yeah it's just going to take a minute to do that but um yeah how much older uh, is your, because your brother, older brother, right? Older brother. Yeah. He's four years older. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And I, I'm going to presume just based off of, I mean, obviously looking at social media and your, uh, you know, expression of love for your brother. It sounds like you guys mm-hmm. were not only are close now, but like, were you pretty bonded back then too? Absolutely. Yeah. He was one of those brothers, you know, it's just he and I, he like, never like teased me or like bullied me or any of those kind of like tropes of sibling relationships. We were always just like really tight buds and um, anything he like said or did from such a young age, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, (laughs) it's like, sure. The funniest, coolest human on earth. Um, And I do still feel that way. He's such a great guy. Um, That's that's amazing. So yeah, did he pick on you? Like, was it one of those, you know, I mean, there's, I'm coming from the perspective of an only child. So I always look at the relationships that people have where it's like, I don't understand why you guys like fight each other all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Or did you guys have that sort of, you know, joking, jovial relationship as well? Like, not really. Like, I don't know, maybe because our parents split, he may have gone into like, older brother like protection mode even from like a really young age like i don't know if that was part of it that he just was like no we're just gonna hang out and like do cool things and i'll show you like cool things and we're just gonna be like buds (laughs) yeah 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 no that's great i mean especially too like you said probably shifting into that you know, protection mode that any older sibling has for their younger sibling of just being like okay like you know Gina's not going to understand all the moving parts of this. And, you know, me as the grown up 10 year old. Right. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to go to a protector. I know what's going on here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's great. And uh, for you, as you started to, you know, develop an identity and 
start to experiment with things as you went through school, whether it was sports or obviously, you know, clearly music is a big part of it. Um, you know, what kind of kid did you find yourself being? Were you, you know, an indoor kid playing video games or were you, you know, running around playing sports? Like what was the, what was the vibe? Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny. My brother and I talk about this often, like more recently, we kind of like reflect on these years. Like I wasn't, uh, neither of us were like gamers. Um, we just didn't like have that in our household. Again, I don't know if, you know, I, I think my mom did everything she could to provide. We had a, a great like childhood, but we, we didn't have like cable or like gaming or like, we didn't have like certain things, but we didn't really care. We never really thought about it. Uh, it just wasn't a thing that we cared about. Um, we would just walk around the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> uh, this area of Philadelphia is really cool. It's like really close to a lot of the, um, trail systems that run in and around the Philadelphia area. So there's lots of like woods and you can easily access uh, what we call here in Philadelphia the water, or the water, or there's right. the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, the you got the uh, you know the water water ice you got that water ice yeah water ice. Um, there's a it's a creek that runs uh, near my neighborhood. It's about half mile from my house. I could go downhill and, and access. It's like a little creek that runs off the Schuylkill River. Uh, growing up, we call that the Crick. I don't know why. It's just like a Philly thing. We would say, well, we're going to go hang out back the Crick. That was just like <laughs> the... Everybody the, knew what you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, we're going back the Crick. And like everybody knew like that's this one specific area of like uh, of the Wissahickon Park. Yeah. Anyway, we would just kind of walk around and find ourselves in the woods and riding bikes and and that kind of thing. We did like sort of like neighborhood sports, uh, intramurals, like, you know, basketball and, and baseball was kind of like a, a thing to do. I, I think I can speak for my brother as well. Neither of us were like super competitive, like sports people. So yeah, for me, when I found guitar, like that was it. Then I was just like a stay in my room, practice the scales, weirdo kid. <laughs> 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 and right yeah i was like that's once you found your thing that really felt like it expressed whatever you know tickling inside your brain it's like oh no that that's that's who i am i'm the guitar person totally totally and then yeah something we talk about a lot which is kind of funny like my we, we were like really we we're like a pretty close family and and i think my mom depended uh a lot on my grandparents too. They were like really helpful and they live also in this neighborhood. And so we spent like a lot of time with our grandparents, like maybe as opposed to doing like camps or like things like that. I think my mom would be like, okay, I'm working and then I'm going immediately to school. So like, you know, especially like in the summer, it'd be like, you're just going to go to uh, like your grandparents' house and then I'll like, you know, I'll be back at night or whatever it is. Or sometimes we would, you know, often stay the night there. But we we kind of laugh because we're like from an early age we were like exposed to all these like old <laughs> like elderly person like things that like you know a child really shouldn't care about. It's like why am I I'm like aware of like blood thinners and like diabetes <laughs> sure. or like we would play cards with like my grandma's neighbor and that's like what we would do. Right. Uh, You're like I know I know bridge. You know, it's like <laughs> totally like we could play rummy. So we we always joke about that. We're like we we really should have went to camp to be with like our peers. But I was like maybe that's why we also like we're so close is because we had each other and then like our grandma's neighbor and like 
yeah. <laughs> whatever. And eventually, thank God, you know, like a stereo and some <laughs> CDs and tapes. Sure, uh, sure. Rescue. Anyway, sorry. I feel like that was kind of boring, but that was no, really no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I think it's very. Uh, I, I like those instances in which people create these, you know, intergenerational relationships where it's like. Yes, you know, pe- grandparents for the most part are present in most kids' lives in some capacity, but it, for the most part, it, it is like you maybe see them once or twice a year, like holidays yeah. or whatever. And so for you to have that prolonged exposure and then also, you know, they're just existing in their own lives and being like, oh yeah, these kids will probably like bridge or like you said, just oh, like, yeah, yeah. dominoes or whatever. It was just like, oh, and then gives you that experience that, you know, most other people would not. They're like, you know, I'm not going to learn gin rummy until I'm like 60. It's like, it's fine. No, totally. Yeah, and it's fine. <laughs> Our friends at Rockabilly are getting into the spooky season. I mean, they have some pretty, pretty cool stuff lined up. They gave me a little tease, but they have something up from Pussifer right now so all of you tool heads like need to dive into that immediately and when i say exclusive like it's the only place you can buy this shirt and there's also an exclusive black sabbath thing that they have coming up so first and foremost you need to use this promo code 100 words or less it gets you 10 percent off of your entire order when you go to rockabilia.com and you see all the fun things that they have in store for spooky season and beyond you know, it's getting cold. Obviously, you want to get some hoodies, some some scarves maybe. They have so many items that sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. But that is where you can, you know, just email me and I can walk you through. Just basically do the order for you. Just give me your credit card. No, I wouldn't do that. That would be unethical and kind of weird. So, But have fun shopping on their website. They ship from the Midwest here in the United States. It gets you very fast. And uh, they are just a great company. Hardcore kids work there. And that's like one of my rules of thumb in regards to working with companies. I'm like, yo, you, you know, punk or hardcore. All right, cool. You've already, you know, scored brownie points in my book, but rockabilly.com tap into their exclusive stuff, tap into gifts for your friends and family as we're heading into the holiday season. So many things that you can do. So promo code is 100 words or less 10% off your entire order at rockabilly.com. So check it out and enjoy shopping. I mean, I know you've spoken about this at length in regards to, you know, your introduction to guitar and everything like that. Um, the the feeling that it kind of gave you, it's probably difficult for you to maybe articulate or like putting yourself back in that headspace, like when you first started to mess around with it. Um, was it one of those things like you felt like you were creating, like, you know, what <laughs> I'm... I, I realize that it's a difficult headspace to put your yourself in, but where, what feeling was it giving you as you started to, you know, play on your guitar? That was like ultimate freedom, like ultimate escape. And there was like a real sense of like, uh, maybe like, uh, accomplishment and like a, a bit of like a self-esteem boost, uh, when you could like, you know, eventually get to the point where you could maybe hear something and then like figure out how to play it and then play along with like the CD, you know, like that feeling of like, oh, I kind of figured this out. It was like, aha, <laughs> you know? Right. And so that, that feeling really like pushes you to like keep going and, and try something harder or be like, could I ever do like this kind of thing could I ever like play a solo and then you you know you get into like this well can I write my own thing and you know and how I go about that and it's just this like ultimate world of like constantly like discovering and discovering and discovering things about yourself and things you didn't 
ever really think you could do and then kind of doing them. And it's like, I was just totally mystified. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> this is awesome. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that feeling of when you or your friends, like the moment that you create something or mimic something that is not your own. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I just did that. Like I just played that Metallica riff or I just did Ooh. that thing. It's like, what? Like, I, or, you know, here's this tab book. Like I'm going to try to do this. And you just feel like you said, so liberated. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's like a really infectious, like it's like a really infectious, like, hi, you're like, you, you don't want to ever stop uh, feeling that. And then, you know, you add on top of that, getting maybe some like neighborhood friends and neighborhood kids together and, you know, I remember it was like one kid around the corner had a drum set and it's like everybody learns a song and now we're like jamming and it's like, Oh my, like, this is amazing. Um, So feeling like that same feeling, but with other people and having the camaraderie with like your friends in that way is, uh, is incredible. Sure. Absolutely. And what would you say your introduction from a, music side of things like when you first started you know beyond like the radio or mtv as like your maybe introduction point um you know when did you feel yourself like digging a little bit deeper than maybe you know your friends or your brother or whatever yeah discover things that were your own um i mean like pretty early on like the radio kind of gave you access to like acdc and like you know zeppelin and that kind of thing and then I remember this, I have this really distinct memory of going to like a Sam Goody and, uh, and picking up British steel, British steel. Um, okay. And just cause I thought the album cover was like so weird. I mean, I guess it's not that weird now, but at the time I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> and, uh, and that's like why I got it, you know? And sure. You're attracted to, especially to as a kid, when you're just like wandering those aisles of a record store, you can't describe what it is that you're attracted to, but you just see something. I mean, usually it is, you know, the heavier music variety, whether it's like, I always remember like you bringing up Sam Goody. It was like, I remember wandering the aisles of Warehouse and just being like enamored, but never feeling like I was cool enough to buy it where it's like, mm-hmm. look at this cannibal corpse record. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. it's like, there's no way I could buy this, but it's attractive. And so, but yeah, I, I understand totally. that feeling. Totally. And then like, again, like time with dad when we were older and I, I give him credit for doing this. He would kind of be like, uh, either I'll drop you off or here's kind of how to take the bus to like, this one particular area of Philly where there was like a lot of record stores. Um, and my brother and I would just go and walk around different, like used record stores. And we didn't really have like, we didn't have money. We weren't like buying, like collecting records at this time, but we would just like walk around for hours and look at all the covers mm-hmm. and same to, yeah, you get into more extreme uh, music and you're like what does this sound like like what is this <laughs> um, yep. and that yeah, kind it's of really starts, special yeah that starts that whole thing <sighs> and so w- would you say that when you started to dive into music you're more of a you know rock metal head as opposed to you know maybe diving into like the punk slash hardcore side of things i was definitely a metal head but also something that was kind of important, like when I, the, I'm 
31. So like when I was, I was kind of the right age where like, like there was like that whole wave of like the strokes and the vines and I definitely like the white stripes and like all of that kind of thing was like really like becoming popular when I was maybe like 12 or I'm kind of just guessing here from memory, um, like sort of middle school age, but that was kind of perfect. Cause then like all of those bands were getting a lot of press. So it was like, I would see like magnet magazine or like something like NME or like whatever, or even like Rolling Stone, like just stuff you see at like the store or the supermarket or whatever. And anything, you know, to me, it was like any band, like I want to know about it. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, this is my thing. You know, I said, right. yeah, I'm the music person. I got to know. About yeah. It. Yeah. yeah um, I get that. So I would like read about all these bands. Yeah. And I remember like reading interviews about like the strokes and they would reference like the velvet underground. And I'd be like, well, what's the, like, I have to know that what's that. And then I would like check that out. And that takes you down the, you know, so I definitely was a kid that was big on like reading magazine articles and then like taking the little breadcrumb trails of of people that other bands that got mentioned in interviews or or whatever so yeah Mm. well it it, i love that the early 2000s like the you know i I, whatever they call it you know indie sleaze meet me in the bathroom (laughs) but i i think that i mean people i i know recognize the value and importance of a lot of those bands but i think that you know at the time there was definitely you know a punchline every band that you mentioned obviously starts with the, where it's just like, Oh yeah. The <laughs> band. Or it's like the bravery. Like, you know, you go down yeah, the, yeah. the laundry but, list. Know, it's very it's important. Like, though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's people with guitars that are like, you know, accessible. Cause yeah, like the internet wasn't as it is now. Like there wasn't like social media or like YouTube, or it certainly wasn't accessible to me or it wasn't developed the way it is now. So yeah, I mean, you would see a band on a magazine cover and you'd be like, what's that? They have a guitar. What are, what are they up to? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And especially too, like you said, when you find a, you know, scene and not like you would describe it as such, but like you find these bands that have similar things going on and, you know, maybe they're located all over the world and you just start to piece this together and be like, oh, okay. Like, if I like this band, I probably like this band. And then, you know, totally. by default, I probably like this band. You just start to at least put music into context, which is, you know, really valuable. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so when you, I mean, I, I'm going to presume, I mean, you obviously did school and you, correct me if I'm wrong, you went to Berkeley School of Music, right? Or no? Uh, no, I did not. I did not. Um, oh, for some reason, I just assumed that to be the case. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, any, any person that shreds goes there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I totally went there. They were like, yeah. what? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I went, there's a f- uh, school in Philadelphia. There's two Philadelphia schools that are, they're public schools, but they're, I, I guess this is like, I don't know if this is a term everywhere, like a magnet school. Oh yeah. So, like, it's a public school, but you like test or you do some like thing to like get into it. So there's a school called Kappa and then there's a school called Gamp, uh, which is where I went to high school. And that's the, Gerard Academic Music Program, um, and that was in Southwest Philly. If Mert's still there, it's a great, great school, and they have a focus in music. And so I wasn't—I was meant to go to like Catholic high school, an all-girls Catholic high school. Um, and then, very like last minute, a parent of one of my classmates 
uh, was like, do you know about this school? And I was like, no. And she just worked for the school district maybe in some way. I was like, oh, I, I think you should check it out because you have an interest in music and and whatever. And and so I went and auditioned like to get into this high school. And they were gracious enough and, and, and kind enough to let me go there, even though it was like pretty late in the admission, you know, process or, or whatever. So that's that's where I went to high school and, and got a bit of a music theory and you know they even had a little bit of a music production like focus they would like you would have a class twice a week they're like hey, here's how to do like garage band you know mm-hmm. and just just basic things but you know for a high school student that's in bands and obsessed with music like that was huge absolutely well it gave you the practical experience and you're like what am i this is crazy that i'm at school and they're teaching me this <laughs> absolutely absolutely and then it was like normal school, but then like at the end of the day, three days a week, you would do like orchestra and, um, and you'd be like preparing for like a, there'd be like two big concerts a year, like a winter one and a spring one. And and so like all the months leading up to each of those, you'd be like preparing the music for it. And um, yeah. And so that, you know, was great. And they would do like plays and stuff. And I would always end up, you know, in the orchestra whatever playing guitar for like the sound of music or you know whatever but it was it was great it was like a school of music and like theater nerds (laughs) and uh yeah so but no no berkeley but i did have you know a bit of a a public school with a music focus kind of thing right like a yeah an arts discipline because i think that that's you know, I'm sure, I mean, maybe you had this experience where if you are, you know, so solely obsessed with music and like many of us go down that rabbit hole in the high school years where they're playing in bands and all that stuff. And it's just like, oh, that's the only thing I care about. Then school is like, you know, to say it's put on the back burner is an understatement. And so for you to kind of be able to blend both where, yeah, like maybe you didn't care about math as much as you cared about, you know, orchestra or whatever, it's still at least provided the connective tissue for you to, you know, carry on as opposed to like completely check out and just get F's and everything else, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I think something that was like really um, key for me was from a young age, I was like playing in bands and then we would start like touring. And so sometimes I would have to like miss school for like whatever, a few days here and there or a week here and there. And, um, and they were like very, very supportive of that, which I don't know if, a typical high school would be, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, what are you doing? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and, and so when you started to, you know, pursue the idea of like, okay, I want to do, you know, guitar for my life, whatever that may mean, I'm not exactly sure, but you know, that was the, the pursuit and the interest. And I mean, clearly your mom was probably supportive to an extent. Uh, was it, you know, was it, hard for her to wrap around her head around the idea i mean especially like coming from the background of her where you know she's a nurse like that is a very real and practical job as opposed to like i'm gonna play guitar like what What the hell so like did wish did she you know i mean clearly she was supportive but uh how did that kind of you know conversation go with her yeah it's definitely like a struggle like now she's like okay I, i get it i think those years were like really hard for her um because she like couldn't wrap her head around it and it was strange and scary and there was like uh, a little bit of like um well that's not what like 
girls or women should should be doing and that made me want to do it so much more you know like right that type of like a little bit of of pushback and yeah so it was it was hard but I mean overall I think she was just being a caring mom who was like nervous and scared of the idea of the whole thing not even just you know the pursuit of an art or whatever that you're doing it's scary and unknown and it unstable you know a lot of the time most of the time unstable um but also just like the logistics of like traveling around in a van and like staying in different places i think that like really really stressed her to the max um so i do give a lot of credit to my um she my mom at the time that i was starting to be more proactively like touring and playing out and like and doing that she was starting to see uh this guy from our neighborhood that we all knew and they're now married so my my now uh stepdad i think he really helped like calm her down you know he got he was key in being like it's all good like you know yeah right right. we'll we'll watch her we'll support her you know like she's not gonna you know go off the the deep end to where we're never gonna recover her or what have you totally his his thing he always says he's like wolves we'll support, you know, whoever he's talking about, we'll support you. And, and then we'll just come in and pick up all the pieces when, you know, whenever this, <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever it goes wrong, which it probably will at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and so, I mean, like you mentioned, like playing in bands and stuff like that, when you, I, I'm guessing that that started around that time, like you just like putting together, you know, bands that you could obviously play either talent shows or local shows or whatever the case may be. Um, did that happen around the high school time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. what, t- what sort of stuff were you trying to rip off? <laughs> that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. That's what every, um, every high school band, like if you're not like, Hey, we want to sound like no effects meets Goldfinger. Or we want to yeah. sound like this. It's like, dude, you, you have to, you can't, it's not like you're, you know, coming up with original ideas when you're in high school and you're an idiot. Yeah, or if you weren't in a middle school or high school band that didn't have many ska breakdowns, were you even in a middle school band? <laughs> did, did you? <laughs> yeah, did, did you even try hard enough? Yeah, yeah. that's very, that's very good. Um, but yeah, so well, like the I played in two tribute bands or cover bands that were very fun. One was. A, to Metallica, one was to King Diamond. Which oh, was, okay, um, yeah. Very random, niche it's a deeper cut. Yeah, all my friends and I really loved. Um, and then, and then you just have your other bands from there. I took uh, music lessons with uh, a bunch of friends, and then we started a band that we would like play house shows in Philly and play like more local shows. And then once I was in college, I started like drumming in a band and it was the same deal, like house shows, uh, maybe not even any venue shows. And then the cover bands would kind of play like out and about. And that was like a, a cool way to like experience like touring, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we would like go, we would, you know, have a show in like uh, New Orleans. So we would like book shows along the way from Philly to New Orleans and, you know, make our way down. Or we would like book a show in Chicago and then like figure out like playing shows along the way. And 
Um, we kind of all like wrote music together, you know, during that time too. And so it was, it was just like a really, really fun way of spending like high school and early college years, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that that idea of being able to experience that level of freedom of just <laughs> the, cause it's su- such an unreasonable, like, I don't, I mean, even in 2023, it's such an unreasonable thing for you to describe to, you know, a civilian or parents being like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to Chicago and play in front of negative four people at a house oh, show Lord. or whatever. And it's like, why are you doing this? What do you, what do you mean? Like, this is making sense. Like, why don't you, like you know, like you were joking about before. It's like, why don't you go to a summer camp or something? It's like, no, 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 we're gonna do this. Like, sorry, <laughs> totally, totally. I was so scared. Uh, I think I was like equal parts like scared of my mom's like uh, Italian Catholic like wrath, <laughs> and sure. like equal parts like really, really like empathetic or like understanding of like all of her sacrifices and like hard work that I had like equal parts like fear to not like um mess up in life and equal parts like i just don't want to add any more like stress to this like situation like i want to make this law like even though it's like yes this is unstable and unfamiliar like territories i'm gonna like make like this is totally normal like no this is of course of course we're gonna do this this is fine like this is what we're doing yep oh for sure it's such a it's like you can't help but want to do it and you obviously do do it but just that feeling like, I mean, as a younger person, like you don't necessarily care what people say. You're like, I'm going to do this regardless. But it's like just that little thing in the back of your head where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm sorry I'm bumping you out by doing this, you know, parent. Like, but like, I got to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think when you have the bug to pursue an art form, you can't you don't have much control over it. You just have to do it and follow your impulses with it along the way. and. Right. Yeah. Check it out. Our friends at evilgreed.net just want you to know to order merch through them. They are an amazing web source solution for record labels and bands. And if you're ever touring in Europe, just just tap on their shoulder. There's a a pretty good chance that as long as you fall into the, you know, heavy slash artistic stuff, they'll work with you. But you as the consumer, you can go to evilgreed.net right now and shop to your heart's content and then use the promo code 100 words, it gets you 10% off your entire order. Maybe you want to order a high vis shirt, or how about a scowl shirt? Or maybe you're like, you know what? I really need to get the, you know, the reissue of the botch and anthology of Dead Ends LP. Trust me in saying you will absolutely love what they have in store. They ship from Berlin, Germany, but trust me in saying that the shipping rates here in the States are cheap, all things considered. I mean, normally when you're like, yo, I'm shipping from across the world, that's going to be like 40 bucks. No way, man. Not the way that Evil Greed rolls. And that's why they're advertising on the show. Plus, they have a lot of great people working over there and a, a multitude of reasons. But go to evilgreed.net, use the promo code 100 words, buy vinyl, buy shirts, buy sweaters, and just enjoy shopping because they have a great store. I've ordered from them. It's gotten to me in like a week here in California. I love what they do and support those awesome companies and bands. Okay. Just have fun shopping. You know, as you started to experience more of the world and playing bands and, you know, trying to figure out whatever that life path may be for you to pursue, you know, having the guitar as the central focus. Um, 
the, you know, I'm guessing like you're, I mean, probably like how you're doing now, or obviously you do guitar lessons and, you know, having that as kind of maybe the base, so to speak, where it's like, oh yes, like I know that I can always do that. <laughs> um, were, was there a like pursuit of yours as you started to, you know, develop a career or whatever, supposed to do the real world implications of like, you know, joining a band or like, what wh- what was your kind of focus, your idea of like, oh, I want to do this. This is what I would define as being successful. I had no idea. I had okay. no trajectory. I was just saying yes to anything and everything related to like playing guitar in like some, like my own bands, someone's band, someone's like thing, a project, like anything, like and I just, I, I wasn't thinking too much about it at the time, but I guess my mentality was like, I just love this. So I just want to do this with as much diversity and, you know, as I can, because in my head that would make me a better musician in, in some way, or, um, you know, I don't want to be too rigid. Like I'm a, I'm a, this kind of guitar player. I'm a, this kind of musician, you know, I just wanted to play. So, um, that's re- yeah. And that's, Honestly, that's really you saying that just unlocked a perspective in my head of like you as a person and like how diverse of a background you have in regards to playing, you know, not only different bands, but the way that you, you know, your career has kind of unfolded where it's just like that idea, like you want to play sort of irregardless of music and not to put yourself in a particular corner. Whereas I think a lot of people that get affected by more independent strains of music, like they are a punk kid, they are a hardcore kid, they are a metal kid or whatever. And that's like their sole pursuit. And they don't really pay attention to the lines outside of that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and I, I hope to like carry that still. I mean, I play, I play, I've had the same guitar teacher since I was like 15 Okay. Um, he's awesome. His name is Yanni Papadopoulos and he's like a guitar wizard. Um, sure. but he has like a jazz trio that plays a few times a month at this like Ethiopian restaurant and I play with them. I'm really not good at this style of music, nor do I have any, like, I don't aspire to be like proficient at it, but I love playing with them. Cause I just take, I always end up taking like something useful out of the experience or I look at the fretboard in a different way for a a few hours or like just the, the act of like preparing for those gigs where like nobody's paying attention to us. People are like eating and like hanging out, um, which is great. I don't want them to hear how, how bad I am at this, (laughs) at this style of music. Um, But yeah, I just, I think just, I don't know. I just love, so many different styles of music and I just think you could take so much from, 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 from all of it, you know? Yeah, no, I like, I, I really, especially too, where if your pursuit is to, you know, hold a guitar in your hand, like you definitely do yourself a disservice by being like, Oh no, I'm only going to, you know, play this style of music or I'm only going to be known as this because, you know, when you paint with a broader brush, there's going to be more interesting experiences that come your way. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I guess hope. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And so, I mean, I'm intensely curious, obviously, about your time with you know Cirque du Soleil and like Vegas, and that seems like such not only an intense experience because you're playing you know whatever 
like you, I'm sure you look at tour where it's like, oh, dude, like 150 shows a year, like try like 200 or whatever. Like there's so much that goes on there. Um, we did 484 shows a year. Right. Which is like, that's absurd to think about like yeah. two a day. Like that's just, that's so much. And um, how did you even like trip into that opportunity? And then, um, you know, was it one of those experiences where, pretty quickly into it you were like oh this wasn't what i thought it was going to be or this is even cooler than i thought it was going to be and i'm sure it evolved over time but um you know how'd you even get the opportunity in the first place um just like more of just being like yes like down for like any anything that's like up up, up for the task like a friend of mine um who we played in a band together she's got like a a pop-up ad on Facebook at the time, or maybe it was MySpace. Even like it was like kind of like that was the era of it, um, and it just was like an ad. Maybe it was. It doesn't matter. It was an ad that was like Search Delay is looking for like guitar players, and she was a bass player, and she was like, "Oh, you, you should do this. Like, you're a guitar player." And I had like never heard of that. I didn't know what it was. I had no interest or like desire to specifically do that but i was like yeah let's do it <laughs> um so that I, I like auditioned through this like whatever the link in this ad sent you to you know send fill out an application and then you like we'll get in touch and whatever send some recordings and and that's how i started that process so i was pretty shocked to actually like whatever you want to however you want to call it like, get the job or whatever Right. Like here about, I mean, cause that <laughs> it is such a foreign concept of the idea where it's like, yeah, if you see something, you know, even if it's like, oh, at a record store looking for this thing, you're just like, this is such a weird, like, all right, I guess I'll reach out and send a video or whatever. And then like, totally, totally. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. That's I so remember weird. like when that happened, I, I told my brother first, I was like, dude, I think I'm going to play guitar at, for like Cirque du Soleil. And he was like, oh dude, do you have to move to Mexico? And I was like, I don't know why. And he was like, Circus Olay, hello. And I was like, no, I think it's like, yeah, cir- like, it, like all over like, the place. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and, and so you, and, but then obviously, so you, you ended up being in the Vegas show. And like you said, playing so many times, uh, you know, a day and obviously having that whole experience. And there is a rigidity that exists within that because, you know, it's a, there, it is a show that is obviously choreographed and timed, you know, to the millisecond. Totally. Was it, you know, how, how did you, I guess, how do you reflect on that experience? I had no idea like what I was like saying yes to, or like what I was signing for. Like I showed up in uh, there look based out of Montreal. So I lived in Montreal for a few months and we like, they call it like the creation team. Like we were the creation team of people make, making the show, like the show didn't exist yet. Um, so I showed up at being like, where's the band? Like, where are my bandmates? And they were like, there's no band. Like the show is like the music of, uh, Michael Jackson. So his like, whatever production team was like heavily involved because we needed to use like the stems of like the actual stems from like a thriller. And so, you know, like it was like kind of insane. We need to have like that material to like work with, um, so they were like, no, we're taking all the guitar tracks out of these songs and then you're going to like play live over them. But also you're going to play a character in the show that like shoots fire out of your guitar and like 
runs around and is like in the show in this capacity. I had no idea. I, I assumed I would be like under the stage, tucked away somewhere in a band. Right. It's like, this is such a different expect. I'm sure it was one of those things like after maybe even like after the first, you know, four to six months of you, like actually playing the show, did it maybe start to set in as far as like, okay, like I know what I'm doing now, but I imagine most of the early time was just like an absolute roller coaster ride. Absolutely. And like, and I'll just be like, yeah, like, okay, cool. All right. I guess we're doing that. Cause here I am. So sure. Let's do that. Um, but they would be like, on my first day, they're like, have you ever been upside down? And I was like, no, no, ma'am. Um, and they're like, well, we were hoping you could play like the guitar solo for like whatever, beat it or something. And, um, and then get in this, they called it a, they called it a German wheel, which I think maybe is a common, like, if you're in like the world of acrobatics which i was not and am not still (laughs) um but it was like a wheel that you could step into and hold on to a handle on either side and then somebody could push it and you would literally like wheel off into the sunset in this like uh steel wheel and so they're like do you think you could like play the guitar solo you hit the last note flames are going to shoot out your guitar and then walk backwards into this thing and then this like really ripped dude is going to like push you off stage in this like wheel um and i was like okay sure sounds good yeah yeah well we could try it and they right before they like gave me a push they're like we have pretty good insurance (laughs) like as if you know in case anything happens totally um but no i think they were quickly like all right this chick's not super like you know I'm not very graceful on my feet so (laughs) a lot of those initial ideas got uh ixnade from the show, which is, which is probably good to, you know, having to yeah, do that. Pull that off. Times right. a year. <laughs> Not amazing. Totally. totally. You're like, Hey, so you're going to Gina, I know like we, you signed up to play guitar, but like, we're going to have you develop this whole other skill set. Like, is that cool? It's like, no, yeah. not at all. I'm not ready for that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I was also like 20 at the time. So, right. you know, I'm just like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll try, yeah, I'll try, try anything once. <laughs> Give it a honk, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, like, towards, you know, whatever, the the end of the contract or end of the show or, you know, you transitioning out of it or what have you, was kind of the core of your ideal would be playing in a band? Like, we were joking about the very beginning, like, it's pretty sick that you played a band now after all these years of playing guitar. <laughs> like, totally. is that... Was that kind of like your sort of ideal scenario? Of course. Yeah. And I played in, I had a band in when I lived in Vegas, it was impossible for me to navigate, like maintaining the schedule of the show and like touring and like doing anything like that, because I didn't have like, I was the only one that did that role. Like there was no like other person that could sub in or, or whatever. Um, so I really wasn't meant to be like getting sick or calling out or <laughs> anything like that. Right. Um, yeah. So, so that's tricky. I think one of the only times I ever like called out sick or like used like a, a sick day was to go see Baroness at Psycho Fest. I wanted to oh, see yeah. Baroness and sleep. And, uh, and so I called in sick to do that, uh, which worked good out. Choice. Good yeah. choice. Yeah. <laughs> Very good choice. Um, but yeah, sorry, you said like transitioning out, like was the the goal, 
again, like I didn't really have a thing in mind. I just was like, I just want to keep doing this because this is what I love and this is kind of what I know. And, you know, I don't, you know, I, we do a lot of different things when we're not on tour to kind of maintain. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'll do any job, but I'm always going to do this thing that I love. So whatever capacity that's in, uh, I'd love for it to be full time and I'll do whatever it takes to, to make that, you know, a reality. But, um, yeah, I didn't have like the express goal of like, I am going to join this band and that's, you know, you know, it's just like, yeah, right. I just, I'm just following like threads of things that I love and that I'm passionate about that happened to land me in touch with John because, um, you know, something that I'm really passionate about and that I love is like music gear and equipment and pedals and stuff like that. And that's kind of how we initially like met and, and bonded and became friends. And so, right. Right. And that actually, that dovetails perfectly into a question I was going to ask where there is this, you know, there's a subculture on the internet that is obsessed with, you know, gear rig rundowns and, you know, what settings your pedals are and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, clearly like uh, that is something that you're passionate about and, you know, John to a certain extent as well. Um, I'm sure that while you are passionate about it, I'm sure there is a maybe, you know, vocal minority or small amount of people where it's like, that's annoying as hell. Like, sure. you know, it's, totally. yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Do, like, do you find that sort of push pull where it's like, I love this stuff, but then it's also really annoying that these people are into it this deeply or whatever. Like, how do you, Oh you know, no, guess- I'm, I'm not annoyed that people are into it. I get annoyed at myself. Like, Oh, okay. Got it. I'm sure. Like John and I, we ha- I mean, our, us as a band, we're very close. And I like, I love, my bandmates in Baroness, we have to be insufferable to Nick and Sebastian. Like I really commend them because they're extremely patient with us, but like at band practice, we have to be like the worst, like people um, just constantly tweaking and adjusting knobs and, Oh, this needs a little more of this and um, things going awry because I'm like trying something new in (laughs) my like pedal chain or whatever um yeah we have to be insufferable so i get into it myself but yeah but not not so much on the the you know people on the internet that are equally as obsessed as you are about that no i know that i think is awesome right yeah you're like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, these are my people yeah <laughs> you're like i see myself in you i am not annoyed yeah, yeah. by that I, I want you to ask more specific questions please totally totally <laughs> um the juxtaposition of experiences that you have from, you know, performing in Cirque du Soleil versus, you know, playing a festival with Baroness or just playing, you know, a regular theater show that you guys do, would you, you know, comparing and contrasting those two, like how, how different and or similar are those experiences for you? Oh, they're so different. They're so, it's like, they're comically different. Um, Not even just like the, like what I'm playing or, or doing or uh the more obvious things like just in Cirque du Soleil like I would be playing it's like a seated theater I mean it's people that are like watching a show a lot of times I'd be playing and like there's you know parts of the stage where you would be cut sort of close to like audience members at times and like a lot of times people would like look at me and like I had in-ears in but they would like mouth to me like you're not really playing like that's not you like playing 
which like right. drove me so like crazy because uh, it just seems so like random and kind of rude. And like, <laughs> I, that's never happened in like a band. So, like nobody would go see a band and be like, ah, I see your hands moving, but no, <laughs> totally, <laughs> that, that can't be what's happening. Um, so, you know, little things like that. Um, but no, and just, yeah, it's, it's just so different feeding off of the energy of three other people on stage that are having the same experience as you, like we're having a really, really unique experience individually, but we're also having like the same experience together. And, and that's like really a beautiful thing to like, um, to experience with your friends and to just like kind of feed off of in a creative way and um, feed off the energy of the crowd. And there's just nothing, there's nothing like it. And I'm a, I was a huge fan of Baroness before I joined the band. So it's like, I get so much joy out of like, you know, with some of the older material, like I feel like I'm singing along with everyone in the audience. Who's like there as a fan of the songs, you know, like, so yeah. I, you're like I didn't. I didn't do this. I like. I, I didn't help. I love this. this. Yeah. <laughs> um. I love March to the Sea. Let's go. Like. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, you're, like, you're suggesting set lists, obviously, as a fan. You're like, hey, sure, it just, just happens to be that I play the guitar for you guys too. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. And then to have the experience of like the last record, and you know, I hope uh, this one. I I just like I get giddy to think about like you know maybe people would sing along with with this one, you know, like, uh, with this new song or whatever. And, and that just, yeah, it's just something I'm just so grateful for. Yeah. It gets you stoked. Absolutely. Um, and kind of on that, I, apologies for the kind of like compare and contrast questions, but I just like, I mean, literally like a very few amount of people have obviously traveled in both the worlds that you have traveled in, but the, the idea of playing, you know, 400 some odd shows in a year and touring, like, do you, you know, do you literally find touring easier <laughs> be because there's maybe obviously less of the, you know, two a day performance sort of stuff, or are they both like, I guess, equally as, you know, difficult? There's like things about both worlds that I, um, that I love, like I working at Circus Lay, I worked with a great crew of people that I'm still like, I, I, still very close to them and, and love them to, to this day. I was just out in Vegas visiting friends of mine who like just had um, babies. They had twin babies, um, you know, and just, it was just a beautiful like crew of, of friends. And so, you know, there's something about living in one place or being in one place consistently and going to the same place every day for work. You see the same people, you go out to the same places after, you know, uh, you know, go to the bar after work, the dude knows what you're going to get. Like that kind of thing is, uh, you know, something I, I definitely like missed when I left. Um, mm -hmm. cause yeah, in, but you know, I, I find that in it, that same feeling just like in a different way with, um, with Baroness, John, and I live like really close to one another in, in Philadelphia. So it's like, I really appreciate getting those, like walk into his house and we're going to have coffee and like, shoot the shit with like him and his family and you know so uh i'm grateful to have that same thing like with him because i think if if i didn't it'd be really hard to be constantly coming and going from your from your uh from your home you know mm -hmm. so frequently um so that's one thing that i loved about vegas grateful to you know have found that in this kind of baroness family um but no something that really kind of 
bummed me out as I was like doing the world of like Cirque Soleil or maybe other people feel this if you're doing like a musician role that's like sort of in this capacity is I just felt like I got to a point where I wasn't growing as like an artist or as a musician um, because the schedule's so demanding. So it's hard to do like many things outside of the job you're doing. And then when you do that many shows a year for many years in a row, you kind of get to this point where it's like, I am doing what I love technically. Yes, I'm playing guitar, but I kind of am like not resentful of it, but getting to a point where it's like, I'm not like loving this because I feel like I hit a, a wall or like a plateau like musically or, or creatively. Um, sure, sure. I get that. Well, yeah. Cause you're, I mean, you are performing a show that is clearly like not, you, you have no influence over the music, the performance. Like, I mean, yes, you have an influence, like you could literally mess it up if you wanted to, <laughs> but like there's, there, there's no creative fulfillment besides like the little things that you could do to make totally. each show interesting. Totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, that kind of drove me personally down like this sort of world of uh you know i was kind of in the pursuit of like i just want to record music at home i don't even want to record music i just record like weird noise rock and like just soundscapes and you know that kind of maybe it was that feeling of being so kind of like stuck or plateaued or whatever it was that i was like i'm just gonna stay in my house and do this (laughs) kind of drove me down that love of gear and uh and pedal kind of world and you know so maybe it was a good thing to go through you know reaching that point where you're like this ain't it i gotta take a hard left and discover something new so yeah oh absolutely i mean just inspiring you to know that the idea of creation like you being the author of something whether it's big small anything in between like that is a driving force for you rather than just the simple performance of said music, you know? Absolutely. And I think, yes, yeah, is a weird thing because on the outside, I think a lot of people would be like, that's awesome. Like, that's such an awesome job. So you feel like, you know, ungrateful or something to be like, well, it it is, but it has this other like side to it that um, that feels a bit dark, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Right. You're just living Groundhog Day and you're just like, totally. what, am I, what am I, what am I even doing here? So yeah, totally. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was like, you know, you mentioned previously that you had played um, in cover bands and I know like you still to a certain extent, or do you play in any cover bands now? Or is it just basically, obviously Paradise is the main focal point. I do not know. I do not I play in, in Baroness full time. Yes. And so the, the cover band, you know, uh, game, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but just like the cover band <laughs> a circuit as it were, yeah. um, where it's like, you know, you get all of these really random opportunities of being like, oh, you get to play, you know, the state fair or whatever, and you get to do this. And like, you do all of these events that are, again, like similar to, you know, maybe the experience that you had at Cirque du Soleil, but, you know, it gives you a different fulfillment and a feeling and you probably can act obviously like a character rather than, you know, like your truest version of yourself. Um, What was, what was fun for you about, you know, participating in those cover bands and you know being able to express yourself that way i think it was just a great like like for us we were like pretty young like we were kind of like in high school and again like early kind of early college years like doing that so it was it felt like just a great way to like actually like cut your teeth on your instrument and kind of like you know 
have like sort of concrete materials of like, all right, we're, I'm going to try to like learn these things. Um, it just was like a kind of great way to like discover your abilities and your instrument and like figure out like what you can do. And like, yeah, it's like if I don't have to learn like blackened or something by Metallica, like I don't know if I would ever discover like, Oh, I can like play this type of solo or this type of riff. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it was a, a great way of like kind of, um, self-discovery as it pertains to like your abilities on your instrument, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh no, it totally does because yeah, just the, the idea of tackling certain songs and, you know, maybe having your, uh, you know, experience opened up to say, Oh wow. Like I didn't think I could do that, but I can. And that's great because then, you know, that rounds me out as a person with my technical abilities. Sure. And then, you know, it's one thing to like, okay, I learned that, but then it was kind of another thing to like get with your drummer and like figure out, can y'all do it together? Like, can you do it in front of people? Like there's like all these different levels, like level one, level two, like, (laughs) and you try to like traverse that, Um, you know? So I liked it for that. That was like, you know, aside from like being with your homies and, you know, having that feeling of, of, like you said earlier, like ultimate freedom and just driving around. Um, I like think that was my favorite aspect of it was to have those kind of concrete like materials of like, can we do this? Can we do it in this other, you know, presentation? Yep. That's what's up with Gina. What a wild ride, huh? Just the idea of like playing in Cirque du Soleil. And I can't even imagine playing as many like shows as she did in that outfit. And then like how touring is probably a breeze <laughs> for her in regards to the amount of shows that she has to play. But regardless, great conversation. Like I said, check out the new Baroness record. It's called Stone. It's really, really good. If you've been a fan of Baroness for years, you will be satisfied. If you're just getting into the band, an absolute great place to start. I love to see when bands do that. You can just jump in and jump out at any given moment. So next week, I have a great live conversation that I recorded at the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival with none other than Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. We we do it, man. We, we go deep. We have about, uh, you know, it's like 40-minute chat or something like that. Originally, it's only supposed to be 20 minutes, 30 minutes maybe tops, and we just kept going and going, and uh, it was great. He's just such a, I don't know, a, a person that has a very level head about where they're at how lucky they are, all of those things. So that's what we got next week, a live chat with Mr. Winston McCall. When I say live, it's like not in front of an audience, but just like live, human to human, real life, not as opposed to, um, you know, over the computer, which clearly that's what I enjoy as well. But I can do both, guys, okay? (laughs) Anyways, until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that. And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.